0: India win. He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India are home. Lords goes
1: wild. Hello and welcome to a new episode of 81 All Out Podcast. Uh, this episode, uh, in the lead up to the India tour of West Indies, we're going to look back at the '97 India tour of West Indies. To discuss that and more, I've got uh, a couple of guests with me today. Krishna, a prominent banker from London and a cricket uh, fan. Hi, Krishna. Hi. Uh, and our fellow uh, everyone All Out crew member, Sidvi is also here. Hi, Sidvi. Hey, Mahesh. Good to be here. Given we're going to be talking about a series which is very close to our hearts, uh, let's spend a couple of minutes on a bit of an indulgence. Uh, so when we uh, started this, initially this started as a, a blog which eventually became a podcast. So when we started as a blog, the first suggestion that we came back with for uh, for the name was 81 All Out, uh, which sounded perfect for a suicidal mission at that point in time. But I never asked him why. So I'm going to use this opportunity to ask him why he came up with that choice so instinctively.
0: I there was a, no particular reason actually. I didn't even think twice about why and how it would work out. I just I think we were discussing the names, and uh, you had probably come up with something on the email. I said, I've always liked the a score uh, being, you know, the name of a website or the name of a magazine. I remember even when, um, back when I was part of the editorial team that put together the Cricket Monthly, Cricket Info's uh, digital long form um, website, I had suggested a few such scores. I hadn't suggested 81 All Out because that didn't uh, somehow strike me then, but i had suggested some kind of a score. To name that uh, entity, because I thought you know a score in cricket and in, even in other sports, but most so much so in cricket uh, brings so much memories to people and uh, hundreds of memories gush forth. You know, if you just mention like a three 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 or anything, you know, of course the famous ninety nine point nine four, so eighty one all out. I thought, um, I mean, now that I think about it, I didn't think of then as I said, but now that I think about it, I think it uh, sort of captures a lot of the heartbreak that. Uh, you went through while watching Indian cricket in the 90s. And it was probably a perfect encapsulation. <laughs> so, uh, the perfect heartbreak. So I mean, we've had, there were many. But uh, this one, you know, in Barbados, which is like the West Indian fortress, and a chance to win a test and uh, maybe, you know, even win a series for the first time in however long. You have 120 to chase in the final innings
1: and, uh, you know,
0: what gets more crushing than
1: that? You wrote a long-form piece on the Chennai 99 Test, and you come out of the 81 all out for a blog name. What is your fascination with this cricket pain? Well,
0: because I think we remember pain and hold on to pain much more than we do with uh, joy. I mean, of course, there is uh, uh, Calcutta 2001 and uh, so many other moments of joy. But you know, if I were to just sit down and think about. Uh, cricketing memories it's always these painful memories that come first and of course they've softened over time but they're still uh quite stark and i think it's true of life as well you know i mean you remember the pain much more than the the joy i mean i guess i'm getting older but i think as you get older that uh, that holds
2: true guys bo- both of you right the, the first time when when mahesh uh, sort of asked the question the thought of his you know you guys sort of followed a lot of the cricket in the 90s much you know much more than i because i, I wasn't in india then and it was sort of cricket was coming in but uh, but but i think this represents you know really the wound of the 90s right because you know in a way it was just after the the peak of the west indian west indian side but still you know there were a handful of handful of great players in that side and a little bit like India never having won in Australia, this is the this is the one chance to have done it, right? And I actually, even more than the, the Madras test in ninety-nine, I think this is a much bigger scar. That that one, you know, what India's beaten Pakistan, I think it was a good test match. You know, there was a nice story about Pakistan winning in Chennai, etc. But this one is a is, was a once-in-a-lifetime chance, so to say.
1: Uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get to Barbados a little later because that's going to be pretty much the junk of this podcast. Yeah, at a at, all, at, mm-hmm. we're always fascinated with, uh, with how cricketing memories are formed, how they are retained, and how fans' experience uh, of watching the game uh, over their life stages change, which is also one of the reasons why we try and get uh, people of slightly different age groups to talk about uh, the same series. Uh, so yeah, let's get started with uh, with a little bit of a personal experience, uh, Krishna. Uh, what was your experience like watching the series? Where were you? What were you doing in life at that time?
2: Uh, I was uh, finishing up my uh, my graduate program at NYU at that time. Uh, I graduated in June '99, so a few months. The series was a few months before that, uh, and uh, so there wasn't any TV in the US. Uh, later on, you you end up watching. Uh, you know a bit of the YouTube, but most of it was from uh, from from reports and uh, and a bit of radio actually, and actually calling India and and talking to your parents, right? So so that was sort of how you you got it, along with some basic uh, reports and uh, scorecards. Uh, Cricket info was in its infancy, if I remember right, those days. So so that was um, that was that was the memory. And one other thing is actually before uh, the the series started. Um, uh, uh, th- three people who were covering that series actually visited New York on the way to, uh, to the West Indies, which was uh, uh, Mohan, uh, Vijay Lokpalli and V.V. V. Krishnan, who were covering the series for the Hindu at that time. And they spent a weekend uh, weekend in New York just before. And I still remember actually going with V.V. Uh, v. Krishnan to, uh, to, to a specialist film store. Uh, to buy a bunch of films for him to uh, to to take to the west indies those days were the pre digital uh, digital camera days so so you had to buy a, a physical film and uh, uh, along with a bunch of other things i still remember lugging it on the tube along with him uh, you know back to his hotel and actually the uh, the the news of srinath's injury and pulling out uh, came that weekend when they were in new
1: york when it broke that he was going to miss the tour and the legendary Replacement. Uh, Noel David came
0: in. No, Noel, so, who as Noel. apparently uh, Sachin asked
1: when he was told about the replacement. So you didn't really watch any of the matches live. No, I. Uh,
2: the only time I went was for the uh, couple of one days in, uh, in in port of Spain, which was just after the test series. This was the first two one days, uh, but but did not watch uh, any any of the tests live. So the memories are a lot more from from other sources. Uh, you know, which which you pick up anecdotes and other things, but but wasn't from a first hand uh, watching experience. Was it was it telecast live in India then? It was right.
1: Yeah, it was. It was.
2: In fact, it was
0: uh, one like the first uh, time uh, India tour to West Indies was uh, telecast. Uh, I think live. I don't think the eighty nine series was live. It, I remember seeing highlights. On Doordarshan, yeah. um, you know, every night we, there used to be highlights. And of course, it used to be... The quality was not that great. You had grainy footage most of the time. And, uh, you know, you suddenly had uh, uh, Ambrose or someone bowling a bouncer. And then the screen would just uh, totally go uh, haywire. And then the next thing you know that some uh, batsman would have edged the ball to the slips. And you see Carl Hooper celebrating and all that. So, it was uh, totally different then. But this is the first time that an Indian tour to the West Indies was uh, telecast. It was uh, probably Prime Sports then, or maybe it had changed to Star Sports ESPN. And uh, yeah, the it was great footage. And uh, it was great to watch, especially with the time zones and uh, just to get live uh, a feel of uh, cricket in the Caribbean. I mean, of course, there were other series before that that uh, had shown us that uh, Australia series, the West Indies and all that. But, uh, you know, actually watching India play there was uh, quite fun. I mean, I was... Uh, in school, in the final year, actually, 10th standard, board exams coming up. So <laughs> this was like a pretty crucial time in um, my schooling thing. And I ended up uh, watching so much of those games uh, late into the night. And again, you know, I can't uh, say I watched uh, everything. I mean, there were obviously phases that I missed. And, uh, you know, you often end up waking up at uh, odd hours just to switch on the TV, put it on mute and just to see the score. Or oh, you know you put it on really low, and uh, it, it uh, they were definitely you know waking up in the morning not knowing the score because um, you know the newspaper obviously carries it only till uh, lunch or maybe sometimes till tea, and uh, you don't know the end of play so you try and figure it out uh, you know your either sometimes there used to be highlights in the morning so you try and watch that. Or, you know, you figure out a way, you probably get it. Sometimes it used to come on radio too. So in the morning, radio news, they used to announce the score. So, yeah, I mean, the memories again are all, obviously a lot of it is formed after that from uh, reading and uh, talking to people and reading and, you know, even from books. But uh, yeah, still whatever little bit I watched,
2: I remember quite vividly. Sidney, actually the 83 tour of West Indies was a bit similar to me. There was no TV in those days. But it was actually listening to, uh, to radio with, the, you know, the volume low and under your pillow, right, at night. Because, uh, you know, the, this was the 83 just before the World Cup, uh, the test series that India went Yeah, to. that must have been something. I mean, I never
0: had that experience. I mean, I, I wasn't, um, I mean, I used to listen to cricket on radio, but I don't know about the 97. And I didn't really uh, do that. Uh, I didn't really follow it on radio as much as on TV. Because I, whenever I needed to, I could just uh, wake up go and switch it on and just check the score.
1: Yeah, in a way, my experience was very similar to Sidhvi in the sense that probably slightly younger, but you know, maybe not 10th class, maybe attention was a little more, so I could like afford to stay awake through the night and and somehow just wake up in time to go to school. The only thing that I'm, I'm struggling to kind of uh, recollect sometimes is that I don't remember too much of the commentary around, uh, around these matches. Like, for instance, the South Africa series before, there are distinct... You know passages of play where I remember the, the, the commentary quite well surrounding cricket, but here I seem to have water, watched most of the cricket in mute for some reason. I mean, not for some reason, for very good reason because others are sleeping.
0: Also, I think uh, the South Africa series um, there was like uh, they used to have these wicket passage, uh, passage uh, packages and highlight packages that they used to keep playing like uh, at least in my memory over and over and over again. So yeah, many true. times that, uh, you know, every... There were like uh, this Trevor Cork commentary when or Robin Jackman's commentary. Some lines are still stuck in my head. You know, when Azhar, I remember, came down the track and hit a six. And I think it was Robin Jackman who said, uh, well, that uh, you were fully expecting and it's maximum. And all these years later, it's still stuck in my head. And the same thing with uh, Mohinder Ramarnath, of course, who was there that time. Uh, you know, when Srinath got Pollock and uh, they were... There was so even i think charu sharma was there in that series and uh, there was a couple of things i remember of his but in the west indies series uh, either they didn't uh, uh, repeat the highlights so much or you know the commentary wasn't really uh, you know it was it was different i mean i remember moments when you know cozier um, you know spoke about uh, roland holder you know roland holder was uh, that time uh, had a had a relatively good series he had a couple of good knocks and they were talking about him as a prospective uh, captain of the West Indies because he was really famous uh, as a captain of Barbados. And I remember when Hooper, few things that Kozier said about Hooper, but yeah, not as much as the South Africa series
2: at all. And also, I think cricket from the West Indies, right? You, you hardly got any telecast, you know, in those days. And this was probably the 89, as you say, there was a few things. But, uh, you know, given, given the domination of the West Indies and, you know, having played half the cricket at home, which we in India never got to see really. I think I think there's a bit of uh, a mystique about the whole thing, right? Compared to South Africa or, or Australia where, you know, we ended up watching a lot more in India. Yeah, maybe,
0: but maybe also the timings, you know, purely like your, uh, your attention is more on the visual than on the audio at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're listening on radio, but on TV, I think uh, yeah. most of the time you wake up late in the night and it's just... Uh, sort of uh, mute and let's see what's happening kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the time zone also matters, right? Even even though, I mean, 89 is probably the last India series, but in between, we've seen other teams going there. And I remember watching the Australia series, for instance. But you don't really stay through the night to watch the entire match as, as you, you do with, with an India match. So, it's still not a complete experience when you're watching cricket in Western Leagues. I guess this was probably the first one where you get a f- sense of the whole... Uh, you know, whole day's uh, play, how it pans out and how the atmosphere is and, and stuff like that. I also want to talk about a little bit about the scale of the series, of the Fighters series. Of course, it didn't pan out that way, given so many rain interruptions and stuff like that. So we didn't really get a full sense of the scale. But going into the series, uh, did you sense that you were in some sort of a new territory? Because, I mean, of course, we had the India Tour of Australia in 92 before. But before that, I think the, the, the last five series before, five test series before that was probably Pakistan and India in 80, 87 So for me, it was the Australia series when I was very young. And, and this was the first five test series which I was watching fully aware of uh, what's happening uh, in the series. Was it something similar for you as well, Sidri?
0: Yeah, I think so. In fact, at that time, I remember there was a lot of talk around um, too much cricket. You know, and uh, that was around the time, 96, 97 was around the time when India was playing like, uh, you know, day in and day out. I mean, uh, they hadn't uh, had uh, too many away series between uh, 92 and uh, 96. But uh, the moment 96 started, you know, once the World Cup, then you go to England. And then, you know, there were all these uh, one-day series like in Singapore and then the Sahara Cup started. Then they go to come back they had a series in south af uh, at home against South Africa, away in South Africa. so I remember a lot of people write uh, a lot of newspaper reports about how uh, there was a lot of cricket and in fact srinath 's uh, injury was uh, blamed on that and how uh, you know Sachin had to really uh, o- rely overly on Srinath and Prasad in South Africa and uh, invariably i mean uh, even uh, the David Johnson and Ganesh who were picked hardly bowled that much and uh, so, uh, Srinath took the bulk of the load. In fact, he uh, I think the final test in uh, uh, Johannesburg, when India came pretty close to winning, I think he was basically bowled to the ground. Uh, and uh, he bowled really well, but uh, that sort of uh, played a big part in him getting injured for this series. So, I remember that. And yes, I often I, I also thought, why are they... I mean, how come they're playing five tests? But then, I you know, maybe uh, <laughs> one of the reasons... Uh, was that, you know, it's so far away that uh, it's no point going and just playing a short series there. I think because the Ashes had also been five tests, you felt like maybe the other series would go that way as well. But I didn't really have um, that many thoughts on it as much as just reading about too much cricket and people criticizing, in fact, that uh, India playing so much.
2: Uh, a lot of my cricket watching was in the 80s where, you know, five and even six test series were, were a lot more common, both in India but but elsewhere as well. And uh, so obviously things had dropped off by then. You know, I think, I think for you guys, it, the five test was, was more novel. For me, it was almost, you know, you took a break from it, right? Rather than, rather than the other way
1: around. You must have watched the six test series too, right? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: 81, 82, India. Plus the Lloyd series in 83 was also in India was a six. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so those In fact, tests, Gavaskar yeah. got his 236 in the sixth test, right? Yeah, the Madras, the zero for two uh, when he came in at number four.
0: Yeah, and that was the sixth test of the series. Yeah, Amazing.
2: yeah, that that is the sixth, and uh, that was the that series was the was the five traditional venues plus uh, Ahmedabad hosted the third test, third or fourth, I think third if I remember right. Um, so that eighty three was uh, was was Kanpur was there. Bangalore wasn't a, you know not yet a mainstream test here in those days. Um, you know, Kanpur was much more one of the six. And and Ahmedabad actually hosted the 83.
1: Shots fired. Sidvi, do you have anything to say about it?
2: <laughs> Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> but but how does, I mean, just, just out of curiosity, how how does following a six-test series feel like? It? The
2: 81-82 uh, Keith Fletcher's team was probably one of the most boring series you'll ever see. Uh, because A, I think, you know, India won the first test in Bombay uh, where Madanwal and Kapil got five in the second innings. And then, basically, Gavaskar played for five draws. And, and, and England, probably, of that era, you had Chris Tavare, and you had Boycott and Tavare, actually, for the first four tests. Still, Boycott went back from Calcutta uh, to the Rebel Tour. Uh, and so, you can imagine how that, that series would have been. And I still remember the, the Madras test, uh, where Gooch made 100. So, India batted for a day and a half. Vishenov made the 222. And uh, the evening of the third day, Gavaskar came on to bowl a few overs. Yeah, I mean, talking about boring series, the series we're talking about
0: could also be termed an extremely boring series. I mean, apart from that one test, the other four tests had a attritional quality about yeah. them. And of course, two of them, the last two were heavily uh, affected by rain. And the first one was also, I mean, the first two also had bits of rain. But just the quality of the cricket and and the pace of the scoring. I mean, there were days when India would score like 190 in the whole day. And our West Indies would, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, plow along. I mean, uh, even batsmen of the, of like uh, Hooper, uh, Sachin, you know, ended up having to grind rather than just play their uh, free-flowing game.
1: The wickets were quite slow, right? At least for the first two tests, they were really, really slow and not coming on to the bat and then you struggling to time the ball. I mean, even the Sidhu double hundred, for instance, was not really a fluent innings. I mean, even uh, pretty late in his innings, you're struggling to accelerate. and uh,
0: Some and, 600 plus minutes, man, like
2: 10, 10 hours or 11 yeah. hours or something, he batted for that. Yeah, but but also even in that test, though India never really felt like even going for a win, right? Even after that, no,
0: I mean they were trying to. I think uh, uh, bat. Uh, I mean get uh, bat the West Indies out of the game, but the scoring was so slow that it, it could never turn, I mean, end up being possible. And I think Sidhu did get uh, criticism for that. I mean he. I remember even um, in the Hindu, um, if I remember right, there was uh, people were saying yes, a double hundred, sure. And, you know, Sidhu, in fact, had even, Sidhu had scored a terrific 100 on the 89 tour in uh, Kingston. And uh, this was uh, his comeback of sorts after after he fumed out of uh, England. And, uh, of course, he also at, the, at that time had a the thing, a lot of things going on with that case of his, you know, that legal case. He was appearing in court and all that. And uh, so this was like a big comeback for him. So it was, people were appreciating it, but there was also criticism of, hey,
2: this is also about winning a match it's not just about yourself so i remember that is that a bit of sachin's captaincy that you guys remember from that era or do you think it's a it's generally a, a, a not a safety first attitude alone and there's there's more to it
1: i don't think it's got to do with sachin's captaincy because uh, this is peculiar to this series where uh, the quality of pitches were so bad that pretty much everybody except lara was batting at you know like 40 45 strike rate uh, I mean, even Sachin, that 88 that he scored, uh, where he gets run out by Walsh at mid um, You know, I like in my memory, it's it still plays out as a great innings. And I was looking at it, the strike rate was less than 40. And that is an innings that I remember fondly, which like there are other innings in that series that you don't even remember fondly. I think it's got a lot more to do with the pitches uh, than, than, I guess, attritional captaincy strategy.
0: And also, that was around the time when pitches were changing. I mean, the Australia tour in '95, when Australia won, uh, the pitches were not this uh, slow and not this, uh, didn't demand such attritional cricket. In fact, the, fa- the faster bowlers ended up getting uh, quite a, a good assistance. I mean, the Rifle, Fleming, um, you know, even the West Indians. They all, uh, I think, West Indies, the test they won. Ambrose had a great test. But then, I think there was a New Zealand series after that. Uh, and uh, that, and then India. So I think those were around the times when the West Indian pitches were just like yeah. completely transforming. And of course, they went on to play like that for many years. But even in like, um, you know, the, the final test in Guyana, I mean, which was largely rained uh, rained out, but you had uh, Chandapal bowling leg spin from around the wicket and uh, bowling <laughs> into the leg stump line and uh, uh, India just couldn't uh, manage to score. And not only do you have these attritional traditional pitches, not only do you have rain, then you have a guy coming and bowling leg spin from around the wicket. <laughs> what what is this? I mean, if it had happened now, I mean, there would have been uh, uh, death of Test cricket headlines every day. <laughs> I
1: mean, the whole series would have played out like the perfect uh, headline machine, right? I mean, every Test, every day, you could have made this case that Test cricket is dying.
0: Yeah, and uh, even the I mean, apart from. Uh, Barbados and that too, maybe the final uh, few days. I mean, uh, even the crowds weren't that, uh, even the grounds weren't that full. Uh, there were a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, in the first two tests, uh, there was a lot of uh, empty seats, if I remember. So, yeah, it was, I think, headline uh, cricket writers today would have just um, written dirge after dirge
2: that season. Well, not, not, not only cricket writers and all the armchair critics on social media as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine the fire, fire that would have created. <laughs> the, the but actually, Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> no, if if you if you really see the pitches, right? I think, Barbados clearly. You know, we'll talk about later. But 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 that one had life in it. But if you look at you know overall, I think Jamaica, Kingston was the Sabana Park was the one that, you know, really changed right in terms of character. As you say, this could have been the. Or close to the inflection point of of wickets in the West Indies, completely, you know, changing. Well, from the from the Test match being called off, right, a few years before
1: that. Yeah, that was the <laughs> England one, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I remember
0: Sabina talking about Sabina Park. um, I remember in 2006 when India finally went and won that series, won a series in West Indies. It was Sabina Park that ended up being the result match, and uh, people, I mean, Sabina Park, and it, it turned out to be quite a you know a vicious kind of pitch very very difficult to bat and uh, you know same way barbados was in um, uh, 97 which was again extremely difficult to bat and before that uh, jamaica test in 2006 uh, people were saying uh, how you know the glory days of uh, uh, sabina park and how it almost used to uh, be have a glassy surface you could see your reflection on it mm-hmm. and uh, holding and all those bowlers who used to bowl and people were bemoaning how the pitch had changed in character, and then you suddenly get this <laughs> snake of a pitch where no batsman can put bat on ball.
2: No, and and I still remember some of the clips which you see uh, in England still, where Sky shows it from the uh, the the tours of the uh, the eighties and and early nineties, uh, where where you see the, the 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 gloss on the pitch where the the grass is just rolled onto the pitch and they water it and keep watering it, right? Which which sort of brings the brings the shine up. It's just, you know, you can still see it on TV when they show some of the old highlights even these days. So.
1: Okay, going back to this series, uh, we'll just keep the Barbaris test out of it for now. But if you can kind of think of the, the readily recallable images of uh, of this test series from other tests, from the other four tests, what, what are the things that you can recall now?
0: That... Yeah, For me, it was, uh, I think, uh, Abe Kuruvilla. is a ready memory that comes to mind. I'd never seen uh, Kuruvilla bowl. I mean, uh, I uh, read a lot about his Ranji Trophy exploits. And uh, apparently in the early 90s, he was really quick. And uh, of course, his pace uh, had sort of uh, given way by the time he was selected. But uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting to see him bowl. Uh, I thought he did a good job for most of the series, Um, especially with Srinath injured. um, You know, it was very tight. I mean, Prasad had a very good series as well. Prasad was uh, that time in uh, the middle of his uh, purple patch you know, it just started test cricket and he sort of was getting, uh, you know, four or five wickets uh, along. I mean, England, South Africa, West Indies, he was just picking them all up. Uh, and he had, um, he had a good time. But yeah, Kuruvilla comes to mind. Uh, Kumble, of course, had a, a good series. I mean, that was around the time when, uh, uh, you know, Kumle was being heavily criticized for being a home track bully and um, not doing well abroad, especially after England and uh, South Africa... Uh, He had not uh, apparently done that well. But West Indies, yeah, he really, really did a great job uh, through the series. You know, the wickets also in a way suited him, but in a way it didn't because the turn was very slow. And uh, in India, uh, he was used to the ball uh, uh, biting the surface. I mean, Jumbo was, of course, a name that uh, came around then. I think Mongya gave it to him. Because the ball used to just take off the pitch, and uh, but he never got that in the West Indies. But he kept it tight, um, and uh, the, I mean, Hooper and Lara went after him a few times. But overall, I think he had a good series. Spoke about Roland Holder, <laughs> that innings of his uh, sticks in mind. I think Nayan Mongia might have had a. a hey, he had good a good test. As he, well. he
1: scored, uh, I think, uh, the second test right uh, where he scores a seventy odd.
0: Yeah, so I don't scored. remember anything from that innings, but I remember that he had a good innings. Um, uh, Of course, most of the memories are from the Barbados test. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think even Dravid. uh, Dravid had a... It was a good series for him. Not a great series, but a good series. I mean, it was early in his career. And uh, I was pretty keen to see how he would do facing Ambrose and Walsh. And he did mostly okay. He had a couple of good...
2: uh, I mean, a few good knocks through the series. Actually, if you look at the West Indies team, right, of of this... This was the first one where... uh... No, the first couple of years where where it was sort of post Haynes, you know, Greenwich before that, etc. Where it was basically Hooper to an extent, Lara, three fast bowlers, right? I think the rest were all sort of you know relative journeymen by the standards of that era of the West Indies that that kept getting rotated around. And Chandrapal was in his first you know three years of cricket, right? Uh, you know, obviously the. The Barbados Test was where he made his first Test hundred, but he was averaging, you know, close to fifty or around fifty at that time. And but if you look at the scorecards, which I did before uh, before our podcast, just to, you know, make sure I refresh some of my memories, you know, it's such a, you know, you you in, obviously rain was a big factor. Slow slow pitches were another one, and and relatively defensive cricket. But but other than the Barbados test, you almost had... Uh, you know, the average was about two and a half to three innings finished per match, right? Yeah, and in the Barbados test, they could have probably played nine
0: innings if they wanted.
1: <laughs> All right, now that we are there, let's talk about the Barbados test. Does it still hurt, Sydney?
0: Well, as I said, of course it does. Uh, it's sort of... The pain has probably softened over time. And it's a uh, little bit more diffuse because there were there's other pain that has come in. But... Uh, Yeah, I think it's the stage of your life as well, right? I mean, this, um, I'm sure there's somebody for whom this World Cup semi final hurt a lot. And, um, you know, it didn't hurt as much for me. But I think uh, the stage of your life, your expectations, your uh, what you really hope for your team. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a very stark memory
2: even now.
1: How about you, Krishna? Actually, I wanted to ask you this earlier as well. Did it hurt you as much? What, what, did you feel it as intensely as the two of us are feeling, for instance?
2: Actually, I really didn't, right? Because two things. One is, I wasn't in the middle of it, so to say, right? Uh, I wasn't in the West Indies, nor was I was in India, where you, know, you guys had a lot more of coverage in terms of TV, daily reports, etc so so you know i think being in new york was you know away from it all was was part of it uh but i also think i was i i became a lot more of a cricket neutral like you guys have become now and you were probably a little bit more uh, you know for for supporting a team at that time uh so so i think i would have felt if this was in the 80s i would have felt a lot stronger uh like i did when uh you know the 85 86 tour of australia where uh, india should have won melbourne and it was rained out and uh, and sydney also was 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 after having got 600 for four it ended in a draw which i think was our best chance to win in australia you know and we find india finally did it now but but i think i would have felt a lot more in the 80s i think uh, you know as with everything else you 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 mellow a bit more right and you and you become much more of a neutral in a way growing up i actually supported west indies against india even in the 80s right that that team to me was probably the greatest team and and having grown through that era you just can't you know even if it's your your own country uh, to me to me not supporting that team or or not wanting them to this thing was was never the case right funnily i still remember the 83 final Uh, when I was in uh, sixth grade at that time. And I think I was the only person in my class who was actually supporting West Indies and actually was quite upset that they lost the match.
1: So you've been anti-national for a long time now.
2: See, it's come back into fashion now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I was uh, revisiting the YouTube clips, uh, which I never had the courage to till we had to do this podcast and I didn't want to come here and, and talk out of just pure memory. And even in that short highlights, what I realized while I was watching is that like, there was very little chance that India could have chased even a score of 120 on that wicket, and and now that I had the benefit of listening to commentary as well, which I don't remember much uh, from memory, even the commentators are talking about it, saying it's going to be so hard on this wicket, and you know, like it, it, it was. I mean, like when I look back, I thought 120, and we we messed up this chance, we, and we could have won that series, but it was not as easy as uh, as it. Seems to be in my memory. Did did you get that sense or how was it when you were watching it, Sylvia?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, the thing with that test is that uh, it got uh, progressively more difficult to bat. And one thing about the test we must mention is that, um, you know, Azar gets a lot of flack for his decisions at the toss uh, for various uh, matches. But uh, Sachin actually won the toss in that test and he chose to feed and so, and nobody talks about that. So, uh, and, and, um, you know, it uh, wasn't like a wish. I wouldn't say it was a vicious pitch throughout. It was hard, and then it got harder, and then it got impossible. And I still remember 120. I still remember that ball that Franklin Rose bowled to Sidhu, which was the first wicket in that uh, chase. And uh, Jeff Boycott on commentary, and he was going, How do you play that? How do you play that? And that was a just a vicious uh, snorter. And there was no way Sindhu could have even, um, uh, there's no way any batsman, I guess, could have played that one. Got the uh, sort of, a just took the glove or maybe took uh, the edge of the bat and it just popped up for the slips. And at that moment, it was, I mean, I sort of just got that sinking feeling and I'm like, there's no way. And that was Franklin Rose, who was having a terrific, se- uh, terrific uh, series. But then you also had like, um, you know, Bishop and... Uh, Ambrose to bowl. Walsh was injured. So that was some small mm-hmm. respite. Maybe it would have been all out for 50 otherwise. And this uh, website would have been called something different. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, after that, I just felt there's no way we're going to chase 120. I mean, it's mm-hmm. anything
2: anything is uh, going to be tough on this pitch. And 120 is just too much. Guys, one thing, though, just rolling it back a bit, right? I, um, uh, I, I read a couple of Mohan's reports. Uh, you know, into the preview of the match as well as uh, as well as during during the match, and one of the thing he says is uh, India played a three day game in uh, in Barbados just before uh, before the test. I couldn't find that scorecard on Crick Info at all, but apparently Kumble was the uh, did 12 man duties for that test uh, for that uh, three day game, and uh, there was a as as. Uh, as Mohan calls it, there was a there was a leg spinner called David Marshall who was a Saturday afternoon tweaker, in his words, uh, who actually seems to have got some wickets against India and in, India in that that game. Uh, but but more importantly, apparently during every break in that game, the groundsman had uh, had 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 his men his his men uh, water, roll
1: grass onto the pitch
2: and uh, and water it continuously in the lead up uh, lead up to that game.
1: This was after the, the tour match was after the two tests, is it?
2: No. Before the Barbados test, there was yeah, a three-day after tour the, match. Yeah.
0: After the first two tests, there was a three-day tour match. I remember that. And I remember that Barbados actually packed their team with uh, pace bowlers. I mean, uh, they were not express pace like the AD of West Indies, but they were bowlers who they played. I remember Hendy, Bryan and all that. I remember those guys were, I think, playing that uh, match. But uh, this yeah, but spinner he, seems to have got the
2: wicket. <laughs> yeah, he talks about this leg spinner called Dave Marshall when Kumble didn't play. But but the uh, the part I found interesting was uh, continuous rolling uh, rolling of um, of the of the of the pitch and, uh, and and rolling grass into the pitch and then watering it continuously to get some shine.
1: No, I think after the first two tests, there was a lot of complaints from both the captains as well, right? I think Sachin made quite a few comments about the as well, and they wanted livelier tracks. Uh, and in fact, uh, I think there are very few YouTube videos of this series available. But one of them is also the, the Sachin's 90 in the first innings, and there are a couple of boundaries that he hits through the covers. And Tony Kozier on commentary says uh, the captain has been asking for a livelier track, and he gets one, and he and he capitalizes on that or something to that extent. So in a sense, when the test started, the, like like Sidney was saying, the wicket was playing quite well, and the bounce was consistent, and it didn't like the the pace at which it did it kind of deteriorated is what was dramatic. So when we started, it didn't look like we'll have the kind of finish that we eventually ended up having.
2: And also coming back to my first point, uh, just to follow up on that rolling, I think probably the reason you know looking at how green the pitch was, even if it was a little bit optical and it played best in the first sort of two and a half, three days, I think he, um, you know, he probably put it as a semi-defensive measure as well, right? Put West Indies in.
1: Possible. Possible.
2: Uh, And also, maybe because
0: he uh, felt that, uh, you know, his uh, bowlers uh, had had a pretty good uh, game, even on those slow wickets in the first two tests. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Prasad and and Maybe he felt that, you know, this was a a uh, good chance for them to actually use whatever is in here and uh, get the West Indies out. And, I mean, to be fair, you know, to, they, I'm looking at the scorecard now. They got 298, uh, you know, West Indies. So, you know, having put uh, opposition in, you know, with 298 and with the batting lineup, I think India would have probably taken that. And they, in fact, went on to start really well in their uh, in their first innings. So, you know, it was only... Like halfway through the first innings, that uh, suddenly they,
2: there was a bit of a collapse. It did get two ninety-eight, but they were also one ninety-three for seven, and I think India's problem of you know letting the tail wag also continued here, right? If you look at it, Chandrapal clearly, you know, finished one thirty-seven not out, but I think it was partly with that partnership with Courtney Brown, and then more importantly with Ambrose, right? Uh, that that did. Uh, yeah, 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 That
0: was a problem through this series and through, of course, a lot of series in the uh, 90s and things. I mean, when I, this series specifically, Ambrose was like, uh, 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 I mean, Ambrose is the sort of guy who I always thought is, you know, it's like the classic tailender comes in and he's just swinging at everything and you can get him out anytime. And that's how he used to bat. But this series was so difficult to get Ambrose out.
2: He's like became like a pretty decent batsman all of a sudden. Actually, if you see this test and you see the scorecards, Ambrose was... I think 18 not out in the second innings and then got this 37 in the first innings, right? So, he's, uh, you know, I think I think Ambrose, even if you look at some of the series against Australia, I think when the situation demands it, he sort of buckles down, right? He's not a, not a Srinath all the time.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, of course, the other famous Bridgestone test is a great testimony for that. Yeah. Also, the other thing that I noticed uh, is that, I mean, while I was, I mean, I, we knew, we all know that Dravid and Tendulkar had a big partnership in the first innings. I was just checking if this was the first hundred partnership between the most prolific partnership pair in, in history, and it it was. So it was a nice little discovery for me today. I I, didn't, the, uh, I didn't realize that. Mm. Uh, from my memory, it was very obvious that the wicket was not that bad at the time. Like if you look at the strike rate of Sachin in other matches compared to this know, scoring at a good clip, right? 62, 63. Sidhu also started off quite well. Dravid played slow, but that was more explained by Dravid's uh, style of play rather than the wicket. So it, the wicket was playing out quite well in the first innings. There was uh, there was, of course, the, the you know, some help for the fast bowlers, but it was also consistent bounce. But it just dramatically deteriorated, uh, you know, from the from the third innings on. You could see that even when West Indies were batting, right, in the in the in the third innings. And by the time India started batting, one is the the Sidhu dismissal that that uh, spoke about. Even Lakshman, who was uh, you know who played for a while, could have got out like four times in that innings. <laughs> he was all over the place, uh, and it didn't help. In fact, funnily, Sachin was the only one or one of the few batsmen who was not really out because of the pitch. He just played a bit of a loose shot to uh, to Bishop, which is probably the most heartbreaking thing in the whole thing. Um, I mean, maybe Sidhvi, like he says, after the Sidhu dismissal, he was almost prepared for the loss. But for some reason, I was hoping we could still win it. So, that Sachin dismissal came out of... uh, came out as an absolute shocker for me.
0: I mean, the first innings too, right? I mean, he... uh, I mean, of course, uh, we all know the famous no-ball. That was not called. uh, But, uh, leaving that aside, even the shot, I mean... uh, you know, it was just uh, there, there for him to get a four. Any there was that one fielder there at a point or uh, at point, and he just basically cut straight to him. And uh, you know, of course, it was a no ball, and uh, ideally, he would have gone on to get a hundred. But even the, the both the shots in the test were, uh, you know, quite uh, heartbreaking
2: from that point. Well, and that situation was when it was 212 for two, right? When he got out in the first innings, and. Uh... You know, India collapsed for less than hundred. After that, actually, uh, one of the things Mohan talks about in his report uh, is is the previous ball uh, from Bishop to Sachin, the one before he got caught at point, uh, was apparently swung in, and then was a leg cutter that just went over the top of the off bail. So he talks about whether it was almost, you know, ignoring the no ball. Uh, was almost, uh, you know, whether that got the, uh, got that resulted in the wicket, that, that previous ball.
0: Could have, could have. And talking about the no ball, I mean, uh, the dismissal that I've also talked about, the Sidhu dismissal, I think was also a no ball, if I'm not mistaken. It was a big no
1: ball. In fact, I, I watched mm-hmm. that at the highlights. And the other thing that I want to talk about related to that is also how uh, even, even between like, uh, fairly eminent uh, commentators like Holding and Tony Kozier and all that—you could sense that partisanship there because it was a fairly big no-ball. And Tony Kozier on commentary says, "Oh, he's just about overstepped there." <laughs> like in this day and age, no commentator in the world will say he's just uh, about overstepped there. I mean, that's a fairly big no-ball.
2: Which which one was that? The Bishop one or the or the Sidhu dismissal?
1: The Sidhu dismissal in the second Franklin answer. Rose, Franklin Rose, yeah.
2: The, the other thing I read about was the big decision for India apparently was whether to play uh, Robin Singh as the sort of third seamer or Dota Ganesh, uh for, for this pitch. And, and it was apparently Madan Lal, who was coached then, that uh, twisted Sachin's uh, arm into, into playing a, a, a sort of frontline third seamer.
1: But Dodaganesh was the third seamer of choice in South Africa itself, right? No, no, here yeah.
2: because Joshi played the previous test. I think whether to go with a 3-1 attack or or sort of two plus Robinson plus, plus Kumble.
1: Ah, okay. Okay.
2: So so the 12 the 12 before the match included the 11 that
0: played plus Robinson. Well, I, I don't think it might have made that much of a difference either way. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> No, if you
2: if you if you see the first innings, even though West Indies, you know, they're two ninety-eight, they batted for close to a hundred overs. And uh, and Kumble bowled only fifteen of those, right? And you know the question was, could he have, you know, been used a bit more, uh, you know, from one end or 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 from the time you know Ambrose and uh, Chandrapal were were taking it away? Well, uh, you know, we are all Monday morning quarterbacks, but who knows? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things from that uh, whole
0: test though was like uh, a lot India could have done a lot differently, but I think the collapse was so. Uh, abrupt and so stark that uh, you know everything was blamed on that final innings batting and uh, how could you not chase 120 that isn't that like the most basic thing that a team can do etc i mean and that often happens even now you know it's like i'm i'm sure uh, years down the line people will be talking about ireland um, getting bowled out for uh, the one of the lowest scores and well yes they did but that doesn't mean that uh, you know they couldn't have done things differently earlier. So, it's like a whole game. But people's memories are, I guess, uh, limited to the final
2: part of it. No, And also much smaller, right? But if you look at the West Indies second innings, I think they were uh, 104 for 9 and uh, got uh, got 140, right? With Dylan, Dylan and Ambrose being not out again. One, 107 for 9.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's little... But everything added up. But eventually... yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, for instance, if... I, I don't know. Maybe today's coverage, or, or maybe I'm biased because I am a lot more mature as a person now. I don't think I would have the same expectations of uh, of being able to chase down 120 on that picket in those conditions uh, with the kind of resources that we had. So it was always going to be a steep chase. I find it so silly that I thought it's a match that we should have sealed. And the other part of this, uh, the the intensity with which we talk about or we feel about this. Particular loss, I also feel is because it is the only result of the series, right? I don't know if it would have mattered so much had we ended up with a 3 love result with two more results against us. Or maybe one result in our favor and ended up in a one-all draw or something. The fact that this was the only result and had we won that we could have pulled off this great series in Investments, nice, this is probably makes it, is what makes it that much more intense.
0: And, and, we, and the people were talking about it even then. Uh, because uh, I remember the commentators themselves saying how uh, Antigua is renowned to be that, uh, a, a flat track and uh, usually ends in draws and it always rains in Guyana. So, even b- during that third test, they were saying how this could be the decisive test of the series. But I think there's another aspect to it as well, to this heartbreak, is that until then, India, when India went abroad, they were all, always chasing the series, at least in my memory. I mean, I didn't watch the 86 series in England. So, I can't, uh, you know, I didn't have that memory. But after that, you know, whenever India, uh, whether it's Australia, South Africa, um, West Indies itself or uh, England, India was, uh, invariably, they would lose the first test. And then they were always looking to chase the series, you know, trying to draw, trying to get back parity. But this was the one series where they actually didn't lose the first test. They didn't lose the second test. They go into the third test. They have like a golden chance to win that third test, and they lose. So I think that whole build-up over the two tests, and you know, getting that hope that okay, it's it's not as bad as earlier, it's getting better. And then you had uh, you know players slowly getting some form, and then you had this one session
2: or two, one and a half sessions where it just it's over. No, I think if you look back on it, I think it's it's probably the one ninety-three for seven to, to add another hundred. And and you know 2 to twelve for two to uh, you know to getting all out within within hundred right I think you know I I agree with Mahesh that clearly the fourth innings you know probably if you had watched it less of you guys had watched it less emotionally I think you would have probably not rated India's chances but uh, but I, but I think those if you were to pick two points of the match um, you know which it was probably those right it gave West Indies another hundred and uh, you know India collapsed for for less than 100 for the last eight wickets.
1: I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I used to think that the two no-balls that were not given would have made a, a substantial difference. But now, like, as, as a proper adult thinking about it, I don't think it would have mattered because Sizu could have got a very similar delivery even if Frank and Rose had it from within the crease. I mean, sometimes I don't want to rationalize all this. I want to hold on to this memory of a heartbreak and not try to rationalize it. In some well, ways, I feel like I feel guilty doing this. In
0: 2006... I was ended up when I was in West Indies, I ended up going to Barbados, even though there was no match uh, in Barbados. Um, I ended up going there just uh, to do some interviews and meet the people. And just personally, I just wanted to go to Barbados because you go all the way to West Indies and don't go to Barbados. Uh, I mean, it feels pretty empty. And I ended up meeting Roland Holder and talking about this test. And, uh, you know, I brought up the no balls and he reminded me that uh, there were no balls that went against them too. And uh, he specifically cited Courtney Brown. Uh, and I haven't uh, checked this or I haven't really <laughs> verified this, but he said Curtney Brown was also out uh, when it should have been a no ball. And he said there were probably, he said there were other umpiring decisions too. And uh, I thought of the same then. I'm like, uh, I think uh, shouldn't... Uh, dig too deep into this test because then I'll probably realize that uh, India never had a chance at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's S- sort of- actually, ac-
2: actually Mohan, Mohan's reports talks about exactly the opposite where he said Lloyd Barker clearly mentioning this Sachin Noble of uh, Bishop's Noble uh, you know, during Sachin's wicket, uh, but also talking about uh, uh, talking about how he called the Indian Pacers for no balls, which weren't no balls. So I have no idea, you know, I I, I read it in his in his report. But, uh, but it was quite funny that he says exactly the opposite of what uh, Roland Holder told you.
0: Well, that's what I said. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, Holder was misremembering or not. But I think it's fair to say it was bad umpiring throughout. <laughs> uh, who got, whether it was biased or not, I don't know. But there was that, probably even added to the heartbreak because not only are you getting these, uh, especially with the Siddhu dismissal, not only are you getting this unplayable ball, uh, you're also getting a bad decision. So it's like a double heartbreak, so to speak.
1: I mean, thankfully, no, and you talked to Tony, Co- Tony Cozier saying that uh, it's a marginal decision.
2: That would have,
1: been a, that would have added to the intensity further. <laughs>
2: No, and and talking about bad umpiring, I noticed from the scorecard that the second umpire was Steve Randall, right, who was who was awful in Australia in the eighties. So it probably could could well could well be a case of just just bad umpiring, incompetent
1: umpiring, and not necessarily biased umpiring, though. Uh... Do you remember a big build-up about a Sachin Lara contest within a contest before the series? I can't seem to recollect it. But now I think about it, I'm like that should have been built as the big contest, right? Going into the series?
0: Yeah, I don't recollect it as well, which is very strange. But uh, I do remember uh, in the Barbados test, because Walsh wasn't there, Lara was the captain. And I do remember some talk being, you know, about captain be captain. When Sachin was batting, I remember Lara, there was a time when Lara was changing the field or things and, you know, the commentary was saying, talking about how the two best batsmen... the. Uh, one of the best batsmen is trying to plot the dismissal of the other and things, but yeah. Pre series, I don't really recall too much of the hype. Maybe, as I say, you know, there was hardly any time for hype because uh, India's they didn't have much of a break at all between the series and the other, so it's just like uh, one thing after the other, and so maybe there wasn't um, a chance to really build it up,
2: you know, especially in the second innings, it was basically. You know, Lara for Lara for the West Indies, and you know all of India's hopes on getting to 180 was pretty much on Sachin, right? Or 120.
1: Lakshman, with four lives could only muster 19, so you had to rely on Sachin.
0: Well, there was David as well, who you know was uh, that technically you would think that uh, he would have had the chops to at least handle the thing, but the it wasn't just a difficult wicket; it was a impossible wicket. So. I mean, he ended up getting a really good ball too. I mean, unlike Sachin who chased one, he, Dravid was quite beat. Yeah, he he got a snorter. He edged and yeah, it was, it was like, I think it was similar to, if my memory serves right, it was similar to what Rohit got in uh, the semi-final. You know, such a good ball that you have no option but to play it and then you edge.
1: But when Dravid gets out like that, it's a snorter. When Rohit gets out like that, it's laziness. Please get your... (laughs) 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 He cannot play the swinging ball. Uh, the other thing that I found particularly interesting in this is that uh, the the two most impressive batsmen for both the teams which had Lara and Sachin were actually Chandrapal and Ravid. And at that time, who would have thought that they would go on to have such substantial test careers that they could pretty much be in the same ballpark as Sachin and Lara? I find it amazing that that probably the other people that you would have talked about during the series or in the run-up of the series, would have be Naziruddin or Hooper or one of those guys, and well, Hooper
0: course, did have a good series. Hooper did have a good series.
1: But he didn't have like a particularly great career, for instance.
0: Yeah, you're right. No, I, I think more than Dravid, I think uh, Chandapal was like the... I mean, the kind of uh, uh, rise that he had towards the second half of his career. I don't think anyone saw it coming. And I think that's also partly to do with his uh, style. I mean, unfortunately... I think uh, the projections of the future are often built on how technically sound a batsman is and how, you know, whether he can weather all conditions, whether he, uh, you know, whether he, he gets his, he's plays that uh, textbook defence. And um, I think even like uh, Sewag and other players who were slightly off the beaten track, they suffered from that. That perception is that, uh, oh, uh, hit and miss. And Chandrapal was the other way. You know, he was the anti-Sewag. So, he has done this like technique that came out of nowhere. And uh, people felt that, oh, maybe he'll grind out a few here and there. But when it comes to you know short ball, when it comes to swinging conditions, it's going to be difficult. But, yeah, he showed that it's possible. I mean, as is Steve Smith has shown over many years. I mean, you don't need to be textbook to be a great batsman, right?
2: And the other side of that is Hopper, right? When he when he came to india for the 87 world cup first he was called the second gary Sopas because he used to bowl a bit of medium pace and off spin then and was a, was a great player to look at uh you know at least optically you know using the uh, the talk about you know st- stylishness technique etc that you guys just spoke about and and relatively speaking he uh, he i think massively
1: underachieved right you look at his
2: career numbers they are sort of you know relatively average i mean yeah. given, the,
1: given how much was uh was expected of him. It was woefully short of uh, expectations. The other thing about the chandrapal Stephen smith kind of uh, world of batsman is that uh, it's like, see, a Sevak success gives a breakthrough for, let's say, a David Warner. Now, Jason Roy is already being talked of as the next, you know, Sevak or a Warner. It sort of opens the floodgates. But a Chandrapal didn't prepare us for Stephen smith really until Stephen smith went on to have that success. It's not like you looked at Stephen smith and you, you thought, this could be another Chandra Paul, you know, we should not judge him too early. He, li- he literally had to score that, you know, truckload of runs before he could get that status as, as one of the great batsmen in the world.
0: That's true. Uh, that's very true. And that's a very fine point. Because uh, uh, nobody, I mean, even, even Stephen Smith, I mean, I don't think he's preparing um, us for the next kind of uh, off-the-beaten-track batsman who's going to come. So you know, it's because because these guys are so original. Uh, in fact, they are probably more original than the other extreme of batsmen. Um, it's very hard to see them coming.
1: Some thoughts on Sachin's captaincy was it was it a big thing? Did it, I mean I'm sure it must have hurt him as much. If, I mean much more than it, it, it the, the fans uh, had it not had had. Somehow, India won that match. Do you think his, his captaincy path would have worked out very differently? Because he had a good start against Australia and the Borogawas one-off test. Then he won the series against South Africa at home. Of course, we lost the series uh, against South Africa away. But we were never expected to win that. And if he could have pulled off this one win, do you think his captaincy career would have panned out very differently?
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he himself uh, says that uh, you know, he was uh, shell-shocked at the end of uh, this loss and at the end of the series, I mean, he actually writes in the book that he, uh, he, thought of, uh, he had thoughts of moving away from the game. Um, you know, that's how deeply, uh, I mean, and he was what, 23, 24 then. And uh, for a guy of that uh, talent and genius to think of moving away from the only thing he probably knew so well, uh, tells you what an effect it had on him. And yeah, there was uh, a lot of talk about Sachin's away captaincy. I mean, people were saying that uh, he's a good captain at home and not a good captain away.
1: I mean, whatever that means. I mean,
0: mean, obviously... I mean, yet four tests at
1: home. (laughs) And by this time, six tests away. By the time of the third test, so to say. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I'm saying, uh, you know, your captaincy can't change drastically (laughs) between home and away. You're ultimately playing... How about Sena captaincy? Sena captaincy. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, but overall, you know, also, uh, he was probably, he probably didn't get uh, the squad he wanted, especially with uh, the Srinath replacement and maybe even in some other cases, uh, whether that might have changed things, who knows. And uh, even in terms of uh, in the, well, he was there, I mean, Azar was the senior figure, right? And Azar was batting at six. And I remember there was a constant... uh, sort of criticism of why was he batting so low when Azar could have probably batted higher. And, uh, you know, then they were saying, why not? Uh, they, of course, opened with Lakshman. And uh, Dravid had done well in South Africa in the last test. He got his 100. So, but there was sort of uh, constant questions as to if whether Azhar was batting too low and who knows whether, what the dynamic there was. Also, Madan Lal was the coach and he had his own uh, say, as we discussed with uh, picking off uh, Ganesh, ahead uh, of Robin Singh and things. But one thing about Sachin, again, uh, he writes uh, in his book that the night before the final day of the Barbados test, he was at uh, this place, famous place there called St. Lawrence Gap, where they have a big party uh, during most of the tests. And he sort of was chatting with another local and that... Uh, Local guy said that, hey, West Indies is going to bowl you guys out tomorrow. And Sachin actually uh, said that, or took a bet with him. Or he told him that there's no way West Indies is going to win and India is going to win. And they're having a banter. And uh, he says that, no, at no point did it cross my mind that we would lose that test. (laughs) It's interesting. The St. Lawrence gap actually is a a sort of thing that people should explore. Because uh, it comes up in many, many uh, test matches. There was one... Uh, Richie Richardson recently mentioned on a podcast how before the South Africa test in 92, when South Africa again got bowled out uh, for in the final innings in Barbados, apparently the night before that, they had, they had been at the St. Lawrence Gap and all the South Africans were extremely confident of uh, pulling the chase off and how Richie Richardson was sort of bantering with some of them saying, hey, we, we can bowl you guys out and all that. So it's an interesting little bit of... Uh, uh maybe a, something to explore the St. Lawrence gap connection to away team collapses. Maybe something <laughs> maybe they maybe they spike your drinks with something then
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that coincidental s- s- after all. <laughs> s- s-
2: Sidvi, going back to your previous point on uh, on 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 the Sachins book, I think he also mentions uh, about how he told his wife he's tried his best and you know things are not working and you know alluding to your point of him being close to quitting etc but but i really think right whether he was not given a team of his you know choice or some players of his choice i think you know in a way the the team was what it is i actually think whatever the thing you know i think he worked on his captaincy probably like he worked on his batting where you know a lot of practice and fine tuning this thing and i think captaincy is probably You know, some of it is a bit more flair and, you know, empathy with players and natural probably is just not cut out for it. You know, whatever the case of that series and few of the points, they were all sort of second order conditions. And I don't think, you know, it would have made a difference to him as a captain. Well, I mean, if we didn't know it then, but in the future, there
0: would be revelations about how uh, that series too, especially a couple of the one day games ended up being dodgy. And uh, they were, uh, you know, in the Helka tapes and things, they were, uh, they did come up. And even uh, Pradeep magazine in his uh, book, um, just Not Quite Cricket, uh, he talks about that series and how he walked up to Madan Lal and, uh, you know, tried to uh, question him about if uh, anything uh, dodgy was happening and things. So who knows? Who knows uh, the other factors that were playing a role as well?
1: Yeah. On a lighter note... Uh... Let's talk a little bit about this Karnataka domination of the Indian squad during that time. I mean, I was just checking. I remember Karnataka won like three Ranji trophies in in like a span of four or five years. But this was after the first win. So there were two more wins to come after this. And there was already like Dota Ganesh, Sunil Joshi, Kumlay, of of course, was already a big mainstay in the team. Dravid had just made his way through. Prasad was still there. Uh, Srinath just about left the squad because of injury. Uh, is that the best phase of, purely from a representation uh, at the Indian uh, team level, was that the best phase of Karnataka uh, uh, cricket?
0: I think there was a phase in the 70s when you had uh, Vishi, Brijesh Patel, Sudhakar Rao,
2: um, and uh, I think Prasanna and uh, Sid, Sid v, that was the two, that was the two tours right new zealand in seventy six followed by west indies in seventy six where where four or five karnataka went i think but
0: yeah, this was uh definitely the second best or uh, along with that the best uh, phase and I think uh, Vishwanath was the chairman of selectors right so he there was a lot of uh, uh, eyebrows raised because of that well, I think a few were questionable i mean you can even mention uh, there were before that, and in the Titan Cup, there was Sujit Som who played, and then uh, there were. Vijay
1: Bharadwaj played around the same time, right?
0: Vijay Bharadwaj played around the same time, so yeah, you can uh, definitely David ask questions, David Johnson. though uh, Ganesh. I mean, I don't know about Ganesh. Uh, picked the
1: five-wicket haul in uh, in the tour match, right? For both presidents' eleven against Australia or something. He, I remember him getting Markwa LBW. Yeah. And that kind of uh, sealed his place in the, in the
0: Indian team. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of these players were probably... Ganesh was probably picked too early. I mean, there was a phase in Ganesh's career later on when uh, he could have probably done more. And David Johnson, I think, was just a punt. Uh, they just thought, uh, hey, here's a guy who's uh, pretty quick at the domestic level. Why not try and, him out? And he
1: took Sachin's wicket and challenged a trophy.
0: He took Sachin's wicket in Talented Trophy. And then he got Slater's wicket in that Second. test in Delhi. Famously yes. caught by Azar. But yeah, a lot of these were probably just punts. And uh, yeah, could have definitely... Uh, <laughs> I'm not ruling out uh, a bit of uh, zonal preferences as well. But that's true. Ah. It was a time when Karnataka was uh, uh, there in the forefront of Indian cricket. Sure.
2: Uh, I, think, I think it's a bit of zonal uh your zonal bias maybe but i also think you know given whether they didn't win it every year they were pretty much you know at the top of indian cricket for those those few years that that it's almost a safer choice is to is to go back to that well because i think probably in those days i'm not sure how much the selectors watch regular uh, you know round in ranji trophy games as opposed to just mm-hmm. the knockouts so it's sort of also a bit of a lazy choice right you know, Tamil Nadu won the Ranji Trophy in eighty seven, eighty-eight. Suddenly you had a squirt of five, six people and that eighty nine tour of West Indies. I think when Srikanth went in, you know, there. hurt himself. There was Robin, there was Venkatramana, W V Raman was the replacement for uh for Srikanth, and there was there was one more if I remember right. But uh, you know, that that's also the case, right? And Venkatraman was manager as well as the physio was this guy Karnan. So, <laughs> you know, I think these phases come in Indian cricket, right? Where certain uh Certain teams and you know places dominate, but uh, well, there was you a, know, I think w-
0: World Cup game uh, in this World Cup when uh, every member of the team was from a different Ranji Trophy side, so uh, that was something uh, quite different, uh, quite a contrast to uh, back in the day when you had a dominance of one team or the other.
1: Excellent. Uh, I guess we've got quite a bit of ground. Uh, so why don't we just close it off with uh, picking our three most heartbreaking cricket losses?
0: <laughs> You're ending on a joyous note.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I've got you on board, so may as well go along with you.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I have obvious choices. Uh, Krishna will probably go a little further back, yep. but my obvious choices are uh, uh, Calcutta semi-final in '96. Uh, Barbados uh, collapse in this test and uh, the Chennai uh, defeat against Pakistan in 99. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, 2003 final was bad, but nowhere close to this. And nowhere close to these three. I mean, 96, I had high hopes for, 96, 97, 99, you know, these were probably also the stage of my life when I was uh, (laughs) easy, when it was easy to Break my heart, and no, oh,
2: these things just uh, broke it big time. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with where I think, you know, India had a chance to win, but, uh, but didn't, right? I think that the first two are the two tests of that 85 86 series, um, where, in, where in Melbourne, I think India needed uh, 90 odd to win on the fifth day and uh, it rained out. But I think previously, the border Gilbert last wicket stand had such horrendous umpiring that they nearly batted till lunch. And then, then the afternoon was rained off. And, but even then, when you look at the scorecard, uh, you know, Gavaskar and Srikanth were out and India was two down. But India was going at three runs and over, three and a quarter runs and over. So I don't know whether the rain was a surprise or not, but, but the batting certainly didn't look like that. Uh, the second one, I think, was the next test, right? Where again, uh, 600 for four, Australia followed on. And then, uh, you know, India couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't bowl them out and the third test actually i think is my pick would be sydney 2003 2004 i think that was a chance to win the series uh, you know india made the 700 plus and uh, and that was the irfan patan kuble match right where uh, kuble got eight you know did india bat too much in the second innings right when uh, where did we overplay that uh, but but i think that that test still rankles quite a bit in me because that was one chance you know, winning Adelaide, losing, losing in Melbourne from, from you know, that collapse on the second morning. Sydney should or could have been different. Well, I have a couple of footnotes to add. But Mahesh, you should come
0: with your selections first.
1: I think ours will be similar. So, it's got to be 81 All Out and it's got to be Chennai 99. Those two are absolute certainties. Uh, just because Sydney's already picked 96 and 2003 is already mentioned. And also, for another reason, I would pick the... The Bombay uh, test against England, the KP Cook test. It was on a brown wicket. India was playing a ribbon series after a 4 love drubbing in um, in England. The odds were heavily stacked in our favour. And I was there at the ground. It was quite, uh, I mean, as thrilling as it was to watch KP. Uh, it was quite heartbreaking to see uh, see that loss where, uh, where our spinners were just not effective and their spinners were able to fully utilize the conditions. I would probably pick that just because I don't want to pick the same three yesterday.
0: Well, I have a couple of uh, footnotes, both involving Zimbabwe. One was obviously that uh, World Cup 99 game where uh, they collapsed to Olonga and uh, the rest. And then the other was the Test match in Zimbabwe. Again, the glorious chance to win a Test match and a Test series outside Asia. Uh, This I'm talking about was 98, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, where yeah, Trav- they basically, Roberts goes 100, right? Yeah, but then
2: where they collapsed again to Olonga and to... Uh, yeah. we so Wasn't that Robin's, Robin Singh's debut as well, right? I think he got a 0 or something, if I remember that test.
0: Very possible. I think he got... Yeah, I think he had got a 0 in his ODI debut in 89 and he probably got a test a 0 in his test debut as well. So that brings us to the end of another episode of the 81 All Out podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever else you prefer. It would be wonderful if we could leave a rating and a review so that more people find us. You can also follow us on Twitter at 81AllOut and check out all our previous podcasts and articles on our website 81AllOut.com In case you're still listening, here's a shout out to our sister podcast on regional movies, the otherbanana.com. You can follow them on Twitter at theotherbanana and watch out for updates on all the movie reviews and discussions that they put out. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on the work we do, so please send us your feedback. Goodbye.
1: India has Vishal Pickford!
0: India wins! They'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India at home. Lords